0: Hey guys, it's Morgan here. I want to welcome you to Young Adults Today podcast, where we talk about reaching young adults in our world today. I'm going to toss it over to our hosts,
1: Micah and Josiah Keneally.
0: What's up guys? Hope you're feeling alive right now. I'm Micah Keneally and I want to welcome you to Young Adults Today podcast, where we talk about reaching young adults in our world today. And like always, I'm joined with my husband, Josiah, partner in crime as we're here in the studio today. Josiah, how are you doing this morning?
2: Great. You're a beautiful co-host. I'm blessed. And this is, this is a fun project to work on together, Young Adults Today, recording live.
0: Recording live. We are already in the fourth season. This is the Crazy. 11th episode. And we have a phenomenal guest um, here joining us in the studio today. Josiah, I would love for you to introduce who that special person is, unless you have some reviews or you want to share anything today.
2: Well, I'm glad you asked because we're here in season four, like you mentioned. We're having fun. And we pray that this is as helpful to you as it is to us. And if you enjoy this episode and every episode, you know, to you, the audience listening, I'd say good, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good night, just kind of like Jim Perry, Um, whatever time you're listening to whatever time zone you're in, across the United States or other countries, even, um, we're just honored that you'd take time yep. to spend it with us. And we want to maximize our time together we want to just make the most of our time here on earth we don't want to waste our lives we want to invest in for god's glory and the things that matters most and the next generation is worth investing in it's worth spending time together and studying researching but also reaching and building relationships and so diving in i just want to highlight Something you could do to help us out, if you're listening, is subscribe, rate, and review. We know you're listening. And I just want to shout out Zach Pruitt is an amazing young adult pastor. And just on Monday this week, he left this this kind note. He says, incredible and helpful interviews. He said, Josiah, I could do an amazing job with the podcast. He has listened to every single episode and has not yet been disappointed. So man, he is encouraged and learning something. Thank you for this. So Zach, Shout out to you. Great job. Keep up the awesome work. And we want to dive into today's episode. That's right. yeah. Micah, I did the intro. Will you do the honor of introducing next-gen specialists and guests?
0: Well, first of all, we want to say thank you to him before we even introduce who he is. And if you are anything of a learner, if you are reading, if you want to be educated in this field, Dr. Tim Elmore is here today. He is a millennial expert, and Generation Z expert, and guess what? CEO and founder of Growing Leaders. is a best-selling author and international speaker, a world-renowned expert on Gen Y and Gen Z. Dr. Elmore uses his knowledge to equip educators, coaches, leaders, parents, and other adults to impact Practical life and practical living, as well as leadership skills to young adults that will help them navigate through life. We all need some navigation. Come Let's this be real. He's the author of numerous books, including Gen Z Unfiltered. How awesome does that sound? It's so, amazing. we are so glad. Dr. Tim, welcome to Young Adult Stop Today. How are you?
1: I'm well, Micah. Thank you. Um, great to be with both of you guys. I don't know if you know this, but I began my career more than 40 years ago. Um, I was a teacher, but I was also a part-time youth pastor at an AG church in Oklahoma. So uh, great roots, kind of fun to, to be back talking with you guys. That is amazing. We did not know that little known fact. Right.
2: So we're excited to learn um, some about just leadership. We'll dive into a great conversation specifically here for Generation Z on Filter, but before we do, Dr. Tim, can, can we just have you start off by just kind of sharing some of your story, your narrative, your journey of faith and life and ministry and leadership? Um, yeah. And even the next generation.
1: Sure. Absolutely. So I just kind of started that. Um, in 1979, I began my career. I was still in college, but I launched into this uh, teacher role while I was still getting my degree and this youth worker role uh, with a youth group of three kids, Ralph, <laughs> Keith and Becky, that's it, that was it. <laughs> but, uh, but I thought, I don't know what I'm doing anyway, let's just jump in, ready, fire, aim, you know? So um, it was great. I fell in love with students even though I was only a few years older than they were. And I knew at that point, I wanted to spend my life with young people, with students. Yes. Um, fast forward, Four years in 1983, I went on stack with Dr. John C. Maxwell. So he's this leadership guru, New yes. York Times best-selling author. And it was at that point I began to fall in love with the importance of leader development. Wow. And over the years, my marriage that was a marriage between my love of students, my love of leadership, and I kept thinking as I watched students interact with adults and often see a gap between the life the adult had and the life the student had, I thought if we could bridge this gap and equip them, not just help them graduate, but equip them for life and leadership, what could we do? So one phrase I began to use decades ago, as I tried to explain the importance of working with students was, it's better to build a fence at the top of the cliff than a hospital at the bottom. Wow. You know what I'm saying? So so many times, nonprofits or ministries are giving money to the hospital because we're trying to help that kid get out of trouble. And I'm going, What if we just kept them from getting in trouble? What if we channeled their gifts and talents toward, you know, doing something you know, spectacular? And I know you guys get that, that's what you're about, too. So, Growing Leaders, the nonprofit I started in 2003, is all about that, about equipping the next generation to thrive and get it when they're young, not in midlife when they've already made 14 mistakes and have to endure them now.
0: Absolutely. I love your passion already. So it's going to be fun for the listener to really dive in deep with you. But Dr. Tim, can you share like one layer deeper? Like where did you find that passion to actually like research and study the generations? When did that passion come out in that process?
1: Yeah. So I wasn't a sociology major in college, but I always was intrigued by human behavior, probably much (laughs) like you guys are. Totally. People watching. (laughs) Yeah, you got to figure out what makes people tick. So it was the year 2000, man, 1999, 2000, that I really began to see this beginning gap that I felt like I noticed between the emerging millennial generation, which was just coming of age, Mm -hmm. and the boomers and the Xers that were already saying, I don't know if I understand these kids, what's up with this? You know, these lazy slackers, they're entitled, they're, you know, blah, blah, blah. In fact, a negative narrative had already begun, as you guys well know. Right. And I thought, we've got to shore this off of the past. So um, in 2001, I did a book called Nurturing the Leader Within Your Child from Thomas Nelson Publishers. And I put the first chart, generational chart in. I was a novice, but I thought maybe this would help moms and dads. So fast forward, you know, now 19 years this is a huge part of what we do is helping the adult leader, whether it's a pastor, teacher, coach, employer, or mom or dad. Right. Try to figure out who this next generation is so we can lead them redemptively rather than, I don't know, angrily and frustratedly. So that's, I don't know if that answers your question, yeah. Micah, but that's kind of how I got into this gig. Yeah.
2: <clears throat> well, man, this is are you're getting like my, Mind, He's taking notes. Yeah, let's just get, say that <laughs> you're getting my mind intrigued, and I can't wait to just pick your brain some more. But I think many people, a great place to start perhaps is like so many leaders, mm-hmm. listeners, learners are confused about what generation is which and yeah. who are the like who makes up millennials, what exactly is Generation Z. And so, maybe to just build a framework or to give context and even a fun spin off of that is we just had a daughter 12 weeks ago at the time of yes. recording so so she was born 2020 so the bonus 2.0 question is like first can you describe millennials who are they generation z who are they and if somebody was born as a covid baby yeah. 2020 what are they going to be and could you just give us a brief synopsis of what you're finding from these new
1: generations okay so you realize you just asked 14 questions you do know yes, that do i
0: realize that <laughs>
1: <laughs> unapologetically right we're
0: on the same page Dr. kim <laughs>
1: I'm a curious one. Okay. OK. So let's start with the most current. Congratulations on the birth of Aurora, how fun that is. Oh, thank you. And a COVID baby. You'll always have this in your memory banks that she was born during this coronavirus time. So um, social scientists would call her an alpha uh, generation baby. Okay. So it's the generation that follows Gen Z. I guess we went from Z back to A. You That's know. start over. <laughs> so um, the alpha generation is already so well admittedly, they're so young, we don't even know yet what's going to mark their, their life. They're too young to measure, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. But let me go back to millennials and Gen Z, because that's really who young adult pastors and teachers are working with. Uh, The millennials are the young adults now that we have been talking about for almost 20 years. Howan Strauss wrote a book in 2020, uh, excuse me, in the year 2000 called Millennials Rising. It was the first research-based book on these young kids that were born in the early 80s. So the millennials, for all your listeners, are, are young professionals now. They're no longer in school. Uh, in fact, you'll enjoy this, guys. I was just talking to a Division One athletic coach from an SEC college who said, yeah, I'm trying to figure out these millennial athletes. And I said, sir, the millennials are your assistant coaches now. They're, <laughs> <laughs> They're not your athletes anymore. So we're a little bit behind if we're trying to figure Starting out the millennials. you are the wrong generation. <laughs> yes, exactly. But we're always a step behind, aren't we? That's right. Okay. Um, so millennials are young professionals, mid-20s to mid to late-30s. Um, Gen Z, depending on what social scientists you read after, would have started as early as the mid to late-90s all the way to 2003. I have them starting right about the turn of the century in 2001. Mm-hmm. And the reason I do is because I feel like the world really pivoted right about the turn of the century. In fact, think about it. The dot-com era bubble yeah. burst yeah. right about that time. September 11, 2001 happened. And by the way, since September 11th, terrorist attack, there have been 26,000 other terrorist attacks, major ones around the world. So these kids have grown up with mass shootings, bombings, in 2019, this will shock you, in 2019, there were more mass killings in America than there were days in the year.
2: Hmm. There were
1: 419 mass shootings in only 365 days. Oh so you can imagine what it feels like to be a high school kid or a college kid. They're going, every well, day. I, I have a story for you. I was just doing a focus group with high school seniors, and they quite honestly admitted every time we hear a pop in the school, we duck. We're, we're just sure it's a gun going off. Oh, and I wow. thought, what a world to be growing up in, to, be, to have that anxiety that they're feeling that something's gone wrong, this uncivil world that we live in. So anyway, I'll stop there. But I, I, I do want to underscore this. While the millennials might have grown up in a little bit more optimistic time, maybe even overconfident about their careers, mm-hmm. Jen is growing up in a more cautious time, wondering what's going to happen after this pandemic. Will I even get a job? Will I even have the internship? Will I even get that opportunity to travel? Maybe not. We're all wearing masks and washing our hands 14 times a day. So I'll stop there. But it's just a different world today that we need to be aware of.
0: That's most definitely true. I, d- I know that I'm a millennial. And I think, Josiah, you're a millennial. We're, yeah, we're so both we're, millennials. Yeah, so we're the millennial generation. Okay. But I definitely agree that overconfident. I remember going to college in about 2005 to 2009. Like You walked out of there after a four-year degree thinking that you're going to land a $100,000 job. But in reality, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, oh, you're gonna so start at the bottom of the pole again. It's like fresh all over again. But I remember walking out and getting a four-year degree, in business communication, I'm like I'm gonna land my hundred thousand dollar job. I'm like, why did the university yeah. teach me to think that way? I'm like, this is insane.
1: <laughs> yes, yes, it's true. Oh well, you know what I often say, you guys, parents of, of millennials. So this would be your mom and dad, but not just your mom and the millions that raise the kids the pendulum had swung in terms of the parenting report card, and we wanted kids to feel special, safe, and have high self-esteem. So yep. self-esteem, safety, and security. So naturally, it was the reputation of give them trophies just for showing up on the soccer team, tell them they're awesome for putting the fork in the dishwasher, you know, you know the, all those things. And I joke about them, but you guys know, that's what our generation heard. So it's no wonder you grew up confident, and I don't think that's bad, but you're right, if there's a big wake-up call at 23 when you go, oh my gosh, I'm at the bottom of the totem pole. why didn't you tell me about that? I don't, the white
0: participation
1: award. <laughs> yeah, that's right. right. Yeah, my boss is clapping for me when I show up at work, on time. <laughs> yeah, so, um, so I really fault us, though. I mean, when I say us, I fault the teachers and parents that we weren't maybe more holistic
0: sure. and say,
1: yes, we are special, but so is every kid. Right. And, you know, God loves them all, you know, that sort of thing. And then give a real good complete view i i often use the habitude uh, box tops puzzle yeah. pieces and box tops we're all puzzle pieces but we got to see the box top to see the big picture that's and maybe we point. failed at giving giving the millennials that big picture so now we owe it to gen z yeah. you owe it to aurora as you raise that little girl right give you the big picture yeah so i'll yeah. stop there
0: that's so good dr tim when it comes to that like seeing the big picture will you help us zoom in on something specific that we're seeing in gen z And that you mentioned this in your book that they are the most anxious generation. Can you describe why that is or what you've been finding throughout the research that you've done?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So let me say two or three things real quick. One is I believe their anxiety comes from a number of elements that are a perfect storm that came together in the 21st century. Mm -hmm. For instance, you guys would readily see this. I think we got ambushed by social media. I don't think anybody quite knew what would happen as a teenager would fill their mind with 10,000 messages a day, most of which are irrelevant. They don't need all that information. It's not even all bad information, it's just too much. Mm -hmm. So Dr. Robert Leahy, a cognitive behavioral therapist, said as we entered the 21st century, the average teenager in America experiences the same level of anxiety as a psychiatric patient did in the 1950s. Holy cow. Wow. It blows my mind. Yeah. Close. So a psych patient 60 years ago would be what they're experiencing today. So I didn't think, we, I don't think we saw it coming. So now as you guys work with young adults, college students, young adults, high school students, we just got to know that they're experiencing underneath the surface, mm-hmm. a turmoil, uh, perhaps on the brink of panic attacks. Yeah. And we're going, you have to panic about the life life is awesome. Well on the surface. So let me just say one thing to your listeners that might be good to know. On the surface, they may be silly and jovial and you know doing silly things on TikTok and Snapchat, you know, sending memes out and so forth. But underneath I think there's a there's a marinating percolating anxiety that we need to get past the surface and say, how are you really doing? And mm-hmm. I'm hoping that teachers this fall can do that. Pastors this fall can do that. Um, so now the second part to my answer, some of the shifts that have taken place from millennials to Gen Z confidence is morphing into caution. I've already mentioned that one. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Um, And spending money is morphing into saving money. So that's a cool thing. Um, I think the Gen Zers have looked at the millennial generation who accrued the largest college tuition debt Mm -hmm. in the history of mankind. Literally. and, (laughs) And I want that to happen to me. So they're a little bit better at saving, which is a good thing. Um, attacking an education is morphing into hacking an education. Yep. Let me know yep. what I mean by that. So uh, Gen Z looks at the millennials and saw so many, uh, so many millennial kids that just bought into what mom and dad said. And what mom and dad said was, just go to college and you get a great job. Well, many of them went to college, graduated, and the great job didn't open up right away. Totally. Uh, Michael, you kind of alluded to that thing, right. you know. And so many, not all, but many had to move back home. You know, they, they were breezed at Starbucks, eating mom's grilled cheese sandwiches, and it just wasn't panning out. So Gen Z goes, not going to do that. So many of them, not all, but many would say, I'm going to graduate from high school and hack my way through my post-secondary experience. Yep. I'm going to take a couple of MOOCs, massive online open course, get an internship over there, take a mentor over here, you know, take a trip over here. And their resume will be a hodgepodge of items that they will hand to an employer so she can hire him for a gig. It's called the yep, gig that's economy.
0: That's gig, yep. Yeah, that's right.
1: I do a gig here for a year and a half and have a gig on the side. Do a gig here for two years, have a two gigs on the side. It's the Uber mindset, you know, I'm doing Uber. So I just, I just think we need to know, we can blame short attention spans maybe, and maybe that's part of it. But I think the world is just so different. Mm-hmm. And they're saying, well, a company isn't loyal to me. Right. Right. should I be loyal to a company? Um, so anyway, it's just, it's just kind of a different day. Yeah. I'll oh, let you follow I, back. I,
2: man, what you just said about like the rise of the gig economy being fractional workers, uh-huh. um, that's something that we're totally seeing to where, like I was talking to Micah the other day and we have a college ministry where uh-huh. we're meeting a lot of students and most of them are working almost a hundred percent of our students uh-huh. that they have some sort of income uh-huh. outside of uh-huh. school, but. They might have a part-time job for their resume, and then they're doing a side hustle like Uber, like Lyft, like DoorDash or Grubhub or Uber Eats. And it's just fascinating to see to me because maybe I wasn't aware of it till the past couple of years, but Mm -hmm. I just don't remember my parents or their peers or even myself, like, 10 to 15 years ago, I, I was working a ton. I had a great part-time job eight years all through high school, all through college. Like that's how I graduated debt-free. And, and so, but I see like the rise of the gig economy, the fact that so many Gen Z um, in this generation are saying like they wanna be entrepreneurial or can yes. you talk about the gig economy like a little bit more and just maybe the fact that, It seems like every day there's a new app that you could use
1: as a side hustle (laughs) to
2: build a personal brand
1: or you know you know what i mean yeah so part of the gig economy's existence is what you just said if you want to author a book you don't need a traditional publisher Mm -hmm. you know you can go to you know amazon and and write your book and publish it and so forth if you want to write a song and publish it you you don't need a record label thank you youtube you know or whatever Yep. So we're definitely in a different day where they're realizing I don't need to go through a gatekeeper to get to the, my dream, my goal. Wow. Now, do some of them need a gatekeeper? Yeah, probably, you know. But <laughs> but but look at Justin Bieber. He did quite well putting a song on YouTube, yep. Usher, uh, and JT picks him up and he's doing great. So that's good for us to know as leaders is maybe we need to foster this entrepreneurial mindset mm-hmm. because they don't need a lot of help, you know, at least the traditional help. Um, another thing I would say is, if if a, if a, if someone was born in two thousand one, okay, let's just yep. say that they were born into the first of three economic downturns already in the twentieth century. So two thousand one, we were experiencing what? Now they were babies, but they looked around them as infants and toddlers <laughs> and saw mom and dad a little worried about about the economy. Yes, yeah. In two thousand eight, two thousand nine, we went through another one. You guys remember that one? Yep. And then now there's this one, you know, where 50% of the population is unemployed. So they would naturally have a different mindset in millennials, not quite as large and in charge, but saying, man, I got to figure this out. I need to hack this life. Mm -hmm. rather than just follow the traditional path that my aunt and uncle did when they, you know, and they're 35 now. So anyway, uh, that would be one thing I think it's very important for leaders to understand.
2: That's amazing, and I, I can't remember where I read this article, but I was reading about you know parenting, and if, there was an article I stumbled across where if a son or daughter is born in 2020, they're expected possibly to never bank in a brick and mortar bank. Yes, yes. The second thing is they were <laughs> predicted to never need a driver's license; that they'll probably take Uber or Lyft, or who knows what the future holds. Yes, that's Lyft, to be Never own a car. Yeah. Yep, and then. And then the third was like they. um, not a, yeah. a
0: check, was it? Like, or it was, like envelope or something? Like yeah, that? it was like yeah. they're
2: never going to use a, a bank. They're never going uh, to use. Try to yeah. check. Yeah. Like car keys and um, smartphones. Yeah. Even like they're predicting that it'll be more cameras, less phone calls. And it's, yes. it's just yeah. crazy to see the changes oh. right before our eyes. But I know Mike had a follow up to that.
0: Well, I know with changes obviously come challenges along that. But I want to ask Dr. Tim, what are some of the biggest um, challenges that young people are facing today? Aside from anxiety, I mean, do you have any insight on that?
1: Yeah, well, some of it might be just what I shared. But maybe this little acronym might be helpful to wrap your arms around this particular question. So in the Gen Z Unfiltered book, we try to um, boil down what are the characteristics that the data shows us that makes them different than perhaps millennials or maybe more so than millennials. So I use the word partner in this book, P-A-R-T-N-E-R. It's seven letters that represent seven characteristics of Gen Z. Uh, Three are positive, which is cool. Three are not so positive and one is kind of neutral. So here they are. The letter P reminds us that they're more private than the millennials were so millennials probably overshared you know on <laughs> social media you know and you that we start really oh i better stop that yep. Well, gently grew up learning from that and saying i'm going to be way, way, way more private okay uh, maybe i send a snapchat that goes away then post something on instagram that never goes away and yep. my potential employer finds it you know so that's letter p the letter a is anxious we've talked about that mm. they're right. definitely more anxious um one little phrase that has helped me understand this one as an older guy is check this out. I think you guys like this. You'll, you'll Mm -hmm. like this. When our phones had leashes, we were free. Now our phones are free and we have leashes. Dang. It's so much like we're in bondage to the very smart technology that we thought would liberate us. So again, we weren't ready. We got ambushed, but that's the anxiety thing. right the letter r and partner they're more restless so adhd is diagnosed way higher than any generation in the past um and so if you're a pastor or teacher just get ready for if you've got 25 young adults in front of you three or four of them might be really having a hard time sitting still and we better do something we better experience something you know they're not looking for a sage on the stage with a sermon you know um so that'd be restless the letter T is tech savvy. You guys get this. You yep. are tech savvy than I am, I'm sure. But it's even more so. Uh, millennials grew up with cell phones. Gen Z grew up with smartphones. Mm. So it's just, it's, just a, it's, the, it's the intelligence age, not just the, the information age. So that would be the letter T. The letter N is nurtured. So at least in middle-class America, and certainly affluent America, you know, mm-hmm. there's still this over-parenting, <laughs> that we do overfunctioning parents, we put helmets on them at dinner time. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But <laughs> but you know what I mean. It's just like we're just so. I mean, you guys will feel this with your little baby girl. It's, we just want her to be safe. Mm-hmm. And what you're going to have to balance is, well, if we're so preoccupied with safety, will we never let her skin her knee and learn how to okay. be more careful? You know what I'm saying? Right, exactly. all. But um, anyway, so that's the the n- nurtured. The letter E is entrepreneurial. So you alluded to this earlier. Yes. Get this. 72% of public high school students said they want to be an entrepreneur. Amazing. So instead of working for the big company, which maybe my generation said we wanted to do, they go, I want to make up something. I want to create something. So I think pastors need to know we need to let these young adults make something, Mm -hmm. own something, do something. Okay. And then the last letter R, and by the way, this is not just for faith-based young adults. This is all young adults, redemptive. Mm. They want to do a work that somehow makes the world better. Totally. That that makes the difference. And I know that's cliche, but uh, we need to know they have little interest in making widgets on the assembly line. Not that we thought they would, but they want to do something with an organization that they think this is going to make the world crazy better because I was a, a participant in it. So I'll mm-hmm. stop there.
2: Mm-hmm. To your point, exactly. Last night, Micah and I started this Netflix documentary. She she actually started it mm-hmm. and I kind of joined in and she caught me up. And what's crazy, one of, I would say, the icons, certainly for late millennials, but Generation Z, mm-hmm. with the rise of like High School Musical mm-hmm. and everything, was a guy named yeah. Zach Efron. If I say that name, mm-hmm. you probably think High School Musical, mm-hmm. maybe yeah. the showman. And he is on this quest through this like 2020 just released Netflix documentary. And he, he just opened up, he's transparent. He's saying like, man, like acting's great and I'm famous. And it's so much in so many words, like I'm set for life, but it's like, I don't know what I'm actually doing to contribute to the good of society and Mm -hmm. to move forward. So I I would say to your point of where you concluded with partnering and, and the you know, just on that note, and and I zero in on this, like this, a lot of our audience, Dr. Tim is like pastors, like you mentioned, Christian leaders, Mm -hmm. um, college pastors, young adult ministry leaders, and we have the unique opportunity to invest strategically into the next generation. And So my question would be with Gen Z, especially if they're on maybe the college campus, what advice do you have for them? Like what, what kind of, investment can we make and be intentional about and aware of probably. yeah in, in the process of investing in generation z yeah
1: that's a loaded question you know josiah <laughs> you always ask loaded questions can
0: you imagine uh, date night with me hello oh my 14 gosh. questions and loaded ones coming my yes, way <laughs>
1: yes. most meaningful night of the week right there you go uh, <laughs>
0: that's
1: fun. that's so fun well i'm trying to make sure i give you sound bites that a listener can actually use quickly yeah uh, the first thing that comes to my mind is, whenever I'm about to communicate to a young adult, yeah. university student, young professional, high school kid, um, yeah. I would say I always go through in my mind four words that become my, my pathway, my, my lesson plan, if you will, okay, mm-hmm. for communicating. And they, they spell the word dice. So I said, we gotta roll the dice as we communicate with, wow. with Gen Z. So D-I-C-E, the letter D reminds me of the word dilemma. I think we need to start our communication or our ministry with young adults with a problem to solve, not a curriculum to teach. That's great. They, they, they have gotten through curriculum out the wazoo. Uh, in fact, here's, what, here's how I like to say it. We need to teach them just in time, not just in case. Holy cow. Just in time teaching is, here's a problem that needs to be solved. Let's brainstorm what we need to do to solve those problems. Right now, it's, it's racial justice. That is a problem that needs to be solved. Yes think about it through high school and college almost everything is taught just in case just in case you need this algebraic equation here it is you I'm know and they're going I will never it. use this <laughs> I will never use this so we no wonder they're disengaged we mm-hmm. we teach it just just in case stuff so um, i think we need to start with a dilemma in fact start with the why before you get to the what yep. if we want to get to scripture talk about a dilemma that that passage is about to solve with mm-hmm. Okay, all right, you get that. The letter I will not surprise you, it's the word image. Hmm. I think we need to leverage images. Yeah. Um, Josiah, we were talking before we started the podcast about habitudes and-
2: do it so we well with believe. habitudes, seriously.
1: Well, thank you. We, we have just stumbled onto something that's been so engaging for both state universities as well as faith-based schools, but it's launching into a principle with, a, with an image, you know? That, that represents a principle. So one easy one is rivers and floods. So it's this photograph of this crazy flood taking over a house. And you know, you probably see this one, you know? So rivers and floods always teaches me about focus. Floods are water that's not focused and it does damage. Rivers are water that's focused, it's, fl- it's focused, it's flowing um, because it has boundaries, it has banks to it. Mm-hmm. So we just try to talk to students at that point about what does it mean to live a focused life, to find your God-given path and move in one direction, not 17 directions? So anyway, Paul said this one thing I do, not these 17 things I do. Amazing. So anyway, I'll stop there, but that's the image. And you can see with a picture, it launches, well, pictures are worth a thousand words. Right. So you got student engagement, which leads us to the letter C in DICE, conversation. So I think we need to start with a dilemma Introduce an image, but then stop talking and let them begin to exchange life. Um, I love to use the phrase, there is no life change without life exchange. Mm. But we need to let them find communities, smaller communities. Yep. Yep. Um, and you guys get this. I know you don't do this, but conversation needs to be probably half of our time with them for sure. Uh, and then the letter E in dice, this ultimately needs to lead to an experience. So just the talk, the inspirational talk, that's better than nothing. But I think young people are looking for an experience mm-hmm. uh, where they can do something. They get up off their bottoms and actually do something. Yeah. And we, they need a guide, but not a God in us. They, they, that's that's okay. what we need to be. So anyway, I'll stop there. But I feel like that's, what I, that's the template that I kind of go through as I think about how do I deliver a nugget to these young people that maybe they really need, that's timeless, but I need to find a timely way to say it.
0: Dr. Tim, I think that is a wonderful representation Fantastic. of how to approach this generation, whether, yeah. whether we're leaders, whether we're pastors, whether we are volunteers, mm-hmm. is to truly understand this generation and step back and stop studying them and come alongside them. And yeah. how we do that is yeah. definitely through DICE, dilemma, image, conversation, and then that experience. And Dr. Tim, we've reached a dilemma in our podcast. We don't know you as well as we could, right? The image, I don't know if I can portray it very well, so I'm going to skip. We want to have a image deeper-
2: image is a shot clock. We're tag teaming this. Micah Ooh, shared the image. dilemma. The, the image Good is a job. shot clock that we're going to put five minutes, um, 300 seconds on the shot clock. Okay. And you have five questions mm-hmm. to um, essentially have a, a conversation with us, and it'll be an exchange leading okay. to the experience of knowing you better. How do we do with the DICE framework? I love it. You he guys- hijacked
0: my high- segue. Did you hear He hi- or hijacked helped. versus not, not. <laughs> <laughs> Hindered. Hindered. <laughs> just kidding. We're, like yes. We're ball hogging right now. No, I'm just kidding. Nope. <laughs>
1: No worries. Okay. Well,
0: Dr. Tim, are you ready? Question number one?
1: I'm ready. I think I'm ready.
0: Okay. All right. Question number one is if you could describe yourself in three words, what would they be?
1: Oh, my gosh. Um, One would be passion. I really feel like I'm in a calling. Um, I don't know if I'm good at it, but I'm doing what I think I was built to do. So passion would be one. Another one would be, um, I think, I don't know if this is the right word, but ambition. I'm... I'm very, very driven. And I know that's kind of a negative word, Uh, maybe called, um, but um, I don't get up because I'm gonna get a paycheck on Friday. I would get up, if I could put food on the table, I would do what I do for free. So that would be another one. And then I I think a, a third one would be, I'm hoping compassion. What drives me is not competition with another organization, but it's compassion for the end user of our content. So that would be the three words. That's awesome. I
2: love it. And I love your content. Content is such a great word. I've met few people who create more content. You're like this producer of content. And um, so I'm especially curious with this second question, because you're an author, you're a writer, you're, you're a wordsmith, and you're an image, imagery guy. So are there any words that you live by? You've written a lot of words, but are there any words that you like hold on to that maybe mean more to you than a tweet, but you live by them?
1: yeah wow well do you mind if i give you a habitude <laughs> <Bring> <laughs> Go ahead. Ahead. Bring it. It's, it's actually a couple of words but one of our images is called the compass or the gps and here's the bottom line a compass and a gps are both instruments that have to do with navigation yeah mm-hmm. the difference is a gps only is helpful if you can plug in an address and a street name and a city and once you know all that, then it kind of helps you turn left, turn right, turn left, turn right. Um, a compass is helpful wherever you are, because even if you're an uncharted territory, mm-hmm. you can pull that compass out and it shows you where your true north is. Holy cow. I feel like as I live my life, I'm going into uncharted territory. And so are you. We've mm-hmm. never led during a pandemic before. None of us so uh, i'm thinking to myself do i know my points of true north where even if i have no idea where i am i know what i believe and what i need to do i taught this to my kids as they went up to college and they both said dad i got my got my compass inside i got my compass inside so anyway i'll stop there that would be my my big I love, it. There.
0: I love it because we also get an image with that. I think that's fun for yeah. me to even reflect on. So, Dr. Tim, if you could ask us one question, we're going to throw you a curveball. If you could ask us oh one God. question, any question, what would you ask us today? It can be about ministry, family, faith,
1: unlimited. I well, I think as people living in Minnesota, where this George Floyd thing started, mm-hmm. what are you seeing and observing? Do you see the protest for instance as a generational thing or what what are your observations? That would be it.
2: Maybe we'll each take a quick stab at it. I'd say like um, the George Floyd, you know, happened on Chicago Avenue like 13 minutes from our house and probably three minutes from the college campus where we both went to college at North Central University. Mm -hmm. In fact, the George Floyd memorial service and scholarship started at North Central. Mm -hmm. And so I'd say what I've really seen Is fascinating there's two different spheres Mm -hmm. one sphere is like the the media has really shined a bright light a massive spotlight on maybe public outrage in terms of like rioting looting like that went viral Mm -hmm. and it has not vanished it's continued and all across the country what hasn't been highlighted is like every night since then the roads are closed around this Mm -hmm. area and there's like peaceful protests there's marches there's a unity among the Mm -hmm. Saints there are churches that have never worked together before that are all serving the city of Minneapolis so among the church um, intergenerational um, inter-congregational just Mm -hmm. interracial. like it's it's this beautiful like tapestry or mosaic of coming together that I've really never seen unity mm-hmm. quite like it. And mm-hmm. I don't know how much of a spotlight has been nationally, but locally it, it seems like unless you go to one of those churches or follow certain leaders online, you're you're not exposed to that. heartbeat. What would you say, Micah?
0: I would say if you're going to look at both sides of it, whether you are the one protesting and looting and rioting, or if you are the one... Um, or you you talk to her, okay. If you are the one that is kind of, maybe you're volunteering, your service projects, you're providing food, because not only are we seeing like the rioting and 700 locations shut down or burned to the ground or you know just totally trashed, we're seeing like Josiah said, churches coming together, thousands of meals are being prepared for the the people who maybe are out of work, out of a job. So I think you can see a beautiful conglomeration um, if you choose to, which is all generations coming together, no matter what color, what race, what background, no matter high income, low income, you're in the slums, you're in the alleyways, or you're you know, at the Ritz Carlton, you are seeing people coming together, serving the heart of Minneapolis and reaching out to those local communities. So I think you can choose what you want to see. You can fill your mind your, um, and your Instagram, your Facebook with the very negative or the very positive. And granted, we don't want to be ignorant in that. So we're obviously aware of both sides. Mm-hmm. Um, but either way whether it's the more aggressive side or the more peaceful side the crazy thing is people are coming together for a cause they believe in and yeah, yeah. that can be encouraging or maybe you know discouraging for some but i mean just to be more or less like a neutral party and step back and be able to see things unfold in a good and godly way or to pray for the people who you know are more aggressive or really challenged with um, the diversity issues, you know. So coming alongside our students in that process because we have them from all different backgrounds, all different denominations, as well as races. So we have seen, I think, a conglomeration of both. Um, But to see what is highlighted is maybe more of the negative, but to choosing to see and pray into, you know, the positive because, you know, we had friends that maybe were down there And they were with the prayer side. They were praying and marching and they were, you know, encouraging people. And, you know, that maybe wasn't reported as strongly as the burning buildings and the people, you know. (laughs) So just praying for the heart of uh, Minneapolis and the heart of the nation, essentially. So. um,
2: And so I would just ask, like, back to you. Uh, Tim, like maybe question four out of five could be what would be the greatest challenge you're facing 2020, July, right now?
1: Wow. Well, I think of one external challenge and then one internal challenge. Uh, the external challenge is um, we are experiencing this very pandemic with our team. Uh, we do a lot of events, like 225 events a year. Wow. And- those have gone away, at least the way we used to do. Them. Oh, really? So we're having to pivot and reinvent how we do our mission as we partner with colleges, schools, churches, et cetera. So that's the external. And, and by the way, I'm working to not lay anybody off, you know, to <laughs> let's, let's keep moving and hopefully mm-hmm. we can get over the hump. The internal challenge is a little different. I'll try to make this quick, but um, we're all gonna come out of this pandemic period with a story in our head. Of, of what really happened, a narrative. All of us have a narrative. Yeah. Um, I have been digging up research, a growing body of research, that memories are not accurate. They are reconstructed each time we tell the story of something that <laughs> happened or whatever. In fact, my sister and I just proved this to be true. We were reminiscing about growing up together. We remembered totally different things about our growing up years. So my point is this, it's gonna be our job as leaders to help guide these young adults into a an accurate memory but a positive narrative. That's, an accurate memory but a positive. Let's not deny what happened. It was hard. It was hard. But let's remember the silver lining. Let's remember what God did. Mm-hmm. Like you just said, the stuff on the news may not be. That's informing a very different narrative than you and I both know may yep. be really happening. Yeah. So I want to encourage every listener, guide the narrative. Don't Don't control it but guide what they're remembering and what they're thinking as they come out of it. I believe something marvelous. We'll all look back and go, wow, 2020 was a wake-up call. It wasn't that great. Yes.
0: Great. All right, Dr. Tim, question five is our final thing, final thought from you. If you could tell a group of college pastors and young adult leaders one thing, if we handed you the mic today, what would you leave them with?
1: Wow, there's several, and I only have time for one, so I'll share one. I, I think um, it would be this, students need to own their growth.
2: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: I believe that schools and churches have been very prescriptive in our leadership, as I mentioned earlier, meaning here's the answer, here's the talk, here's the, what you need, here's five steps, here's four steps, here's three steps. And all that's good. And none of it's wrong probably. Okay. But I think it's still ours and they're renting their faith, not owning their faith. Wow. And so I think we need to let them own experiences, failures, mm-hmm. uh, discoveries. And um, that means metacognition on their part where they're, well, we don't give them the answer. We are descriptive in our leadership, not prescriptive. The difference being prescriptive is, well, like the, comp- like the GPS, turn left, turn right, turn left, turn right. I think descriptive is let's describe a, a goal or a vision that you want to reach. And then you tell me what steps you think you need to take to reach it. I'll guide you, but you come up with this. You own this. I would say that, I think, to every leader. That's the shift I think we need to make.
2: Dr. Tim, this is such a fun and timely episode. I love that just the Lord's sovereignty that he knew for such a time as this of in the middle of coronavirus, in the middle of internal and external challenges that we are each facing as leaders in the local church, on the college campus, because the reality is, is the mission hasn't changed, but our old models will not be able to, you know, sustain sustain ministry. (laughs) And then same with methods, like, and so we've had to get creative. And, Mm -hmm. and I even look at like, just one thing to sum us up and to conclude, like, so many times working at a local church for six years, I thought in terms of like services, if we're doing an event, it's got to look like a church service. Worship, then the message, yeah. then the altar yeah. call, then the response, and there we yeah. go. And, and nothing wrong with that, again, like your point. But I think that coronavirus has helped innovate and helped us look at, look, the mission has not changed. That's unwavering. Yeah. But we're going to yeah. be flexible in our models. We're going to try some new methods and, and the framework that you gave us with DICE is so helpful and Mm -hmm. I pray that every leader finds that as practical as Micah and I did but Dr. Tim thank you so much for a great conversation today and for joining us if you're listening check out the show notes and we'll have links to find out more about Tim Elmore growing leaders as well as his latest book that we highly recommend Generation Z unfiltered when you connect with us online at www.youngadults.today
0: until next time this is Micah Josiah and Dr. Tim